Many of you know that I grew up on the East Coast in Massachusetts, and that my last name before I got married it was B-U-T-T, -T. and it wasn't pretty. Since arriving in Texas, I have come to think that life might have been a little easier with that last name if I had grown up here. My father, Robert, was in the hospitality industry, the food business, and restaurants to be exact, and he cast a very big, long shadow, even though, this won't surprise you either, he was a vertically challenged man. And I adored him. And to this day, as I find myself miraculously an Episcopal priest, presiding at a Eucharistic table, I thank God for a dad who taught me everything there is about serving at tables, all tables being Eucharistic ones. His whole life was devoted to humble service extravagant hospitality, and undeterred hope. Dad grew up as one of nine children of parents who were Salvation Army officers, missionaries in the name of Jesus Christ, who saw themselves not charged with a mission to convert others as much as to proclaim by their own lives and witness in Jesus Christ that all persons were made in the image and likeness of God, and that there were no strangers, no outsiders, no special interests when it came to serving God's people and inviting them around a table. So when it came to my father, after serving in the Navy through World War II and Korea, feasting at an open table became his life's passion. He was a brilliant concept guy, really an entrepreneur, and a man of inestimable energy, grace, and devotion to Jesus Christ. Time and again, when you would walk into any one of his restaurants, and I saw this because I was always by his side, he'd walk in with the suit and the briefcase and all of that, and the next time I saw him, he was in a chef's coat or a busser's uniform or an apron, being a part of a team, working alongside everyone and seeing where the need was. He bought used cars for men and women who had been incarcerated and who wanted very much to begin a new life. He put down payments for rent and subsidized housing for others so that they really could get a new start that they deserved in their life. Not perfect for sure. But his example has shaped my life and my vocation, my callings as a special needs educator, and now as a priest at a sacred table, this table. But I learned from a very early age that all tables were sacred. So today on the first Sunday, back as we are, thanks be to God, to all of those who served breakfast, that delicious breakfast, this morning. So if you didn't come to breakfast this morning, you really missed out. Make sure that you start coming because it is around those tables that we begin to prepare for this Eucharistic table as well. But I'm sure that 
I wanted to give a shout out to my dad on this morning for Reconciliation's first breakfast back, to the man who, I'm sure, continues to serve at the heavenly banquets when he's not otherwise occupied on a golf course. As I have been praying and reflecting on these readings before us this Sunday, I cannot stress enough that I am relieved that we have finally moved beyond the more difficult and challenging Gospels about discipleship that we have heard preached about and read these last several weeks. Josh nailed it last week as he reviewed the contours of those lessons and the lessons we must reflect on if we really are going to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And what better lessons from Hebrews And from Luke's gospel on a Sunday when we do get to sit at our breakfast tables. These were almost hand-picked for this Sunday, but they were not really. It's wonderful when it happens like that. But in chapter 13 from the book of Hebrews, we do hear from the very first verse what is non-negotiable if one is really and truly going to live a life worthy of a disciple of Jesus Christ. The author writes this, let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels. I want to say, what's the word I want to say? Unawares, that's right. Remember those who are in prison as though you are in prison with them. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Last week, Josh reminded us once more that scripture is entirely rooted in a message that is all about liberation, the liberation that is ours in Jesus Christ, and the liberation we can be about in the world on behalf of others. It is to be the foundation of all we do in our life all we pray for, all that we become. It is of great significance that we take to heart this message, that the life of a disciple is not a life lived in isolation from others. It is a life that is lived alongside others. It is a life also that does not deny the pain or the suffering and the needs of others. It is a faith in Jesus Christ that requires us to notice and to act and to come alongside. The true disciple is one who does good in mutual love in the name of Jesus, in the sharing and support of that love and a life of serving others in humility and generosity. I see that kind of life lived here at Reconciliation all the time. As I come in the parking lot and I see so many people quietly, humbly, you know, filling up the food pantry, or the woman who sometimes takes a few items from the pantry, but she always brings her bottle of Clorox and she neatens up the food pantry and she gives what she can in the moment and with thanksgiving. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful model of of humble service. I see it all the time here, too, as we move alongside our RMI friends on this campus. What is required of us is that same kind of humility, 
the humility and grace and generosity of noticing the hurt and the pain of others and being willing, if not able to do anything to, to alleviate it in particular, but to come alongside and notice and to accompany another. One of the most revered contemporary spiritual writers and mystics of our time, Frederick Beekner, recently died. He wrote in his book, The Longing for Home, and it's one of my favorite Beekner books. He wrote this, when Jesus commanded us to love our neighbors as ourselves, it was not just for the neighbor's sake that he commanded it, but for our own sakes as well not to help find some way to feed God's children who are starving to death, is to have some precious part of who we are starve to death with them. Not to give ourselves to human beings we know who may be starving, not for food, but for what we have in our hearts to nourish them with, is to be ourselves diminished and impoverished on behalf of someone else. To be homeless the way people like you and me are apt to be homeless is to have homes all over the place, but not to be really at home in any one of them. To be really at home, to be really at home is to be really at peace. And our lives are so intricately woven into each other's lives that there can be no real peace for any of us until there is real peace for all of us. That's the work of baptismal living, my friends. And just as breakfast begins after two plus long years, we have Jesus instructing us as those first disciples about the virtues of humility, hospitality, and hope around a table. Let's be honest, most of us have been the guest of honor at one time or another, at one kind of celebration or another. When we have been affirmed or honored, respected for what we have done in our lives professionally or personally, we have been the recipients of places of honor at tables of status and success. Think about what those tables have looked like in your life's journey. How have you been honored? Where have you been invited? Yet what Jesus challenges us to remember is that inherent in each and every single one of us is the dignity of being made in the image and likeness of the divine. Oh, we may for sure have been successful in whatever brings us meaning and passion in our lives, but that alone never gives us the right to usurp a place of honor before any other child of God. So as we begin anew the practice of open tables of hospitality at breakfast and around this Eucharistic table, think about the tables around which you sit each and every day of your life. Think about the invitations that you make in your life to your home, or to a table. Think about who is not at the table, whom you see not often at a table you would sit. And perhaps that can be for us a challenge here at Church of Reconciliation. Who is at the tables? 
who is not at the tables when it comes to leadership or ministry, places of honor that belong to each and every single one of God's children. May you and I notice more and more who is and who is not at tables. May we offer a simple affirmation as we walk into grocery stores or someone helps us at a a store. May we compliment people or simply offer a smile to a stranger who is approaching us. You never know what it is that they're returning to, whether it's at home or it's under a bridge. But your smile may be the only smile that person sees and experiences in his or her life that day. Be generous with the joy that is in your heart and the love that is meant to be shared. Frederick Beekner's words cry out to me and I hope to all of us. Again, from the book, The Longing for Home. He wrote this, when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was naked, you clothed me. Jesus said, when I was a stranger, you welcomed me. And then Beekner says, and perhaps imagine Jesus saying this, when I was a tree, he might have said, you blessed me and asked for my blessing. To believe that Christ is risen and alive in the world is to believe that there is no place or person or thing in this world through which we ourselves may not be made more alive by their life, by their existence. And whenever we are made more alive, whenever we are made more brave and strong and beautiful and generous, we may be sure that Christ is present with us, even though more often than not, our eyes, like the disciples' eyes, are so often kept from recognizing him. May you and I work to recognize the inherent dignity in every human being. May we recognize the Christ that is a part of creation and recognize the extraordinary gift and miracle that that creation is. And may you and I practice and practice and practice over and over and over again the kind of humility, hospitality, and hope that everyone we welcome to feast with us, everyone we recognize as a child of God, is one who is blessed by the same God who has invited us into being. May you and I be the generous lovers of all God's creation. Amen.